Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Let me go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. John 1 is where we're going to be this morning. All right, John chapter 1. Now, we have been looking at this Advent season, we have been looking at what Jesus came to do. What did Jesus actually come to do? Why did he come and what was his purpose? So, John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's all stand to honor the reading of Holy Scripture. So, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Now, the typical Christmas Eve gathering or the typical Christmas Eve sermon would not begin in John. It would begin in Luke. You would hear the Christmas story. Uh, you would hear about Mary and Joseph on their way uh, to, to uh, be partic- participate in a census. You would hear about them uh, not finding any room to sleep at the inn. They would end up in essentially a, a first century cave and the Messiah uh, would be the result. But each gospel gives us a different kind of perspective on what Jesus means. And John gives us a very unique perspective on what Jesus means. What John is doing here is not just placing Jesus in the history of Israel, the people of Israel, but John is placing Jesus in the history of the cosmos in the beginning. Does that start sound like the beginning of any other book that you've read in the Bible? In the beginning. See, John is saying that Jesus coming into our world is like Genesis chapter 1 all over again. So then what does Jesus coming into the world mean, according to John? It means this. Jesus came to recreate humans with light. Would you read this with me? Jesus came to recreate humans with light. See, light and dark are one of the biggest themes within the Bible, and Christmas is the season where, with the shortening of days, with the gloom of the clouds, we prophetically adorn our homes with light. We bring light into our homes with candles and on evergreen trees, and we proclaim that Christ came to bring light and that his light is life. Look back down at your Bibles, verse 4. In him was life, and that life 
was the light of all. Everybody say all. Mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, what could that mean? What does that practically mean? Maybe you've been to church before, and you've heard this passage before, and you've thought, it's poetic, but what does that mean? Well, this Christmas Eve morning, I have three chapters for you. My sermon is is a little bit of a book. Three chapters, chapter one, blindness, chapter two, exposure, and chapter three, prescription. So chapter one, blindness. I want to ask you this question. What do you think is wrong with this world? I want you to really consider it. What went wrong with the world? If you had to just kind of generalize it, you look across the world, what is wrong with the world? Just the other day, uh, right before I left work, um, I happened upon an article about a three-year-old Israeli girl who had been kidnapped into Gaza. Horror washed over my body. See, I have a three-year-old, Georgie. Yes. And when I typically read the news, I try to not put myself in the stories. I try not to put myself in the shoes of the people within the stories. You'll just have your heart broken over and over and over again if you do that. But for a moment, I imagined her in that position. Horror. I'm not sure that I could go on living if that happened to my daughter. And later on in the article, when I found out that her parents had deceased, I was relieved. The horror. The horror. I got in my car, started it up, and I began my drive home. And I bristled because the passage that came to my mind was, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, the principalities, and authorities. I bristled because it sure seems like some flesh and blood are to blame. (laughs) Maybe I need to have you in my sermons more often. (laughs) But the problem with the world doesn't start with flesh and blood. The Bible says it actually starts earlier. It begins with blindness, spiritual blindness. Blindness. See, Paul writing to a church in ancient Corinth, he says this, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That is the problem. It's spiritual blindness. Now, maybe you're thinking, you're thinking, really? Really? Well, yes, really. The problem is spiritual blindness, and the pro- it's, it's a problem because of what they cannot see. The passage continues right here. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light, notice this, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. What has the God of this this age blinded people from? From God's glory, which is where? In the face of Christ. The problem with the world, according to the Bible, is that people are blinded from seeing the face of Christ. 
Now, maybe you're thinking, why would that be a problem? Nobody living today has ever seen the actual face of Christ, right? He lived 2,000 years ago. Nobody's ever seen Christ's face. So I'm pretty sure, like, that's a problem for everybody. What is being said? What is being said is that the face of Christ contains the very character of God, his glory, in a gaze. And when you look at the face of Christ, when you spiritually look at the face of Christ, you will find grace, you will find truth, and you will find reality. Reality. The face of Christ, what is it? It is the kindness of God. It's the come here. Do you know that that's our gospel? Maybe you heard a different gospel growing up, but our gospel that we preach as Christians is the come here. Come here. That's the face of Christ. Every other religion essentially says this, look at our rules or look at our discipline or even look at our way of living. Look at our way of life. It's better. But Jesus says this, look in my eyes. When I want to connect with my daughter, what do I say? Look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes. Without the face of Christ in your life, there is no understanding who God really is. See, some of you have walked away from Christ thinking that you had taken him in full account and you rejected him. But I wonder if you've rejected his face. Have you rejected the real Christ? What John is saying is that this baby, Jesus, is not just a Hebrew error. He is the cosmic purpose of all of life. So I want to say this, and I want you to pay attention to me. If you sentimentalize Jesus this season, if you live your life vaguely interested in Jesus, coming to church once a year on Christmas, if you don't look him in the face, then you will live without light and you will live in darkness. You will not have direction. You will have no understanding. You will have confusion over your identity, constantly performing for other people. And you will actually, maybe you don't know it, but you, will be, you are listening to demonic gods that want to uncreate the things that God wants to create in you. That's the claim that John is making. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. So I want you to hear me. This is the key to life. This is the key to life. You will be blind to the degree that you hide from God. And you will see to the degree that you expose yourself to God. Chapter two, exposure. What most people live are hidden lives. Do you know that? Most people are hiding. Lives where they do not tell themselves the truth. They live in a fantasy world. And the shame of not telling yourself the truth causes you to hide from other people. And worst of all, it causes you to hide from God. And think about this. When you hide from God, you are not hiding from rules or morals or his kind of oppression, you know, his oppression in his gaze. You are hiding from life. Which is why for many people, life is a series of tragedies with a less than adequate sprinkling of self-medication with the tiny luxuries of life. So the hidden life is a tragedy. That's the real tragedy, is hiding in this life. When you hide from God, you are not protecting yourself. You are harming yourself. The other night I was reading a book to my daughter, and it's this, it's like a 
kid's Bible that tells the stories of Jesus in a way for a kid to understand. And this particular story that I was reading was about the thief on the cross. Do you remember that story? There's, one, there's two thieves on either side of Christ that represent all humans' disposition towards him, rejection and acceptance. And this thief on the cross uh, you know, is looking over at Christ. And what does Jesus say to him? Today you'll be with me in paradise. But the way that this story was told was told as if you were the thief. So it said things like this. Imagine, the story began this way. Imagine that you did things that were wrong. Imagine that you broke rules, that you hurt people. Imagine that you did this enough that you became a monster. And eventually you were caught and you were sentenced to death on a cross. Now, on the very next page, after you imagine these things, there is a drawing where the perspective is you on the cross looking over at Jesus on the cross next to you. I think we have a a picture of it. It's your hand nailed on the cross as you see Christ look at you. And this is what the book says. And that is when he turns and looks at you. And something happens down inside you you've never experienced. Love, understanding, human kindness. And now you see it all in those eyes. His eyes are accepting you. And there in my daughter's bed reading this book, I had an encounter with Jesus. I realized that I'd never seen him that way. And his eyes, I looked at him, and, I, and his eyes burned with this unexplainable mix of acceptance. I accept you, and also, I'm going to clean you. I'm going to burn you clean with my gaze. And in that moment, it was like I saw him for the first time on the cross dying for me. For me! And that love, and that grace, and that sacrifice, you know what it did? It opened me up, and I said, I'll let you see me. I left the room and I said, God, I'll let you see me. Exposure. That is where salvation begins. And that is how salvation continues, my friends. The Christmas message is that you don't have to be afraid of being seen. We have a religion of light. And what I want to say to you is that a religion of light is really no religion at all. It's show me your darkness expose your darkness so that I can shine on you, so that I can heal you. What does the passage that we just read say? The light shines in the darkness. See, sometimes we're afraid, oh, if I show my darkness, what will happen? Ah, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When you expose yourself, you don't get darker You don't get condemned. You don't shrink. You actually bloom. And this changes everything. The Apostle John says something very curious. He says this, but if we walk in the light, if we expose, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Isn't that interesting? And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. When you choose to come into the light, And you make that daily choice. I'm going to expose myself to you. I'm going to show you me. You get forgiven, and you'll get connection with people. Isn't that interesting? Why is that? Because when you expose yourself to God, you get resolved. 
You no longer fear or you no longer need to compete or control the people around you. And so purity in relationship is a result. Remember this, all external strife in your life is from internal strife. And all internal strife comes from a false view of yourself, God, and the world. Some of you didn't get that. I'm going to say it again. All external, like if you could memorize one thing from today, all external strife in your life is a result of internal strife. And all internal strife is a result of a false view of yourself, God, and the world. Do you see the power of this? Expose yourself to the grace of God, to the love and the face of Christ. Look into his eyes and you will begin to see the world correctly because what's internal will always become external. So chapter three, prescription, prescription. Jesus has one of the most curious teachings on light in the eye ever. It's quite strange. Here's what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. You're like, okay. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What does the eye do? I know that Dr. Owen is in the house and he's in, he, he actually knows what eyes do. So hang, hang in there with me. What does the eye do? The eye receives light. That's what it means to see is you are receiving light. When it is dark out, there's no form, there's no color. But when the light shines, color, form, texture, shape explodes in front of you. So what does it mean that the eye is a lamp? Isn't that strange? Because lamps project light, but eyes are almost completely opposite. Eyes receive light. So what does it mean that the eye is a lamp, that it's projecting light? What I think Jesus is saying is that we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. Okay. We don't see things in our life as they really are. We see them as we are. Our eye is a lamp. So it is constantly projecting our internal world onto the external world. Which is why many wealthy people are miserable. It's not that they don't have good things, or maybe even some of you in this room are probably wealthy. It's not that you don't have good things, or that you don't have amazing things, or that you don't have incredible opportunity in your life. It's just that the, when the internal world has strife, it projects onto the external world strife. No matter how good the stuff is around you, your internal world is always seeing it. It's a lamp. Your eye is a lamp. But Jesus is saying that the eye goes both ways. The eye is the lamp of the body. What does that mean? Your eyes project an internal world, but also how you see the world is how you will be inside. How you see the world is also how you will be inside. Here's what I'm saying. If you have looked at darkness 
If you have looked at life without grace, if you have uh, viewed and participated in the degrading of humans, the stuff that doesn't tell the truth, if you have told lies, if your life has become a lie, then your internal world will be dark. As Jesus says, next slide, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What you take in will create an internal world. And then that internal world will be projected onto everything else and everyone else in your life. That is the power of being human. So be careful how you see. You know, Netflix, uh, every now and then, they do something special. World War II in color. Wow. I don't know if you've seen this. World War II in color. They went back and they colorized all of the, this footage from World War II. I can't stop watching it. I'm like addicted to it. I like, I'm just like, whoa, what's going to happen next? You, it feels like you're there. It's incredible. And so I started asking God, because it really became a distraction this week. I was supposed to be writing my sermon, and I'm watching World War II in color. And so I started asking God, why? Why am, I, why am I so fascinated? Because I believe that God teaches me through the things around me, that he's interested in the things that I'm interested in. That's part of what it means that he's good. And so I said, okay, Father, why am I so fascinated by World War II in color? And I heard him say, I'm teaching you. I'm like, okay, what? And here's what he said. Hitler came to the wrong conclusions about the world through his wrong perception. His eyes were unhealthy, and he became dark. And then he, because the eye is a lamp, he gave away dark. Whatever is internal will become external. Nothing that is hidden will not be revealed. How you perceive the world will create an internal world, and then that internal world will be projected onto everyone, everything and everyone else. That is why to look at Christ's eyes, to expose yourself to light, is the most powerful thing that you can do. And it's why the psalmist says this, for with you, God, is the fountain of life, and then there's this line, in your light, we see light. When you look at the blazing eyes of Christ, you see the truth about the value of humans. You can't help but receive the grace, the love, the light. And when you do, you get a new prescription so that you can see like Christ as well. In your light, we see light. There's a wonderful passage in C.S. Lewis's Letters to Malcolm where C.S. Lewis speaks of uh, meeting this um, European minister who had actually had dinner with Hitler and met Hitler. And Lewis has this meeting with this minister, and he says, so, you, so you, you, you met him? He's like, yeah. He's like, did you look into his eyes? Like, what did he look like? What did he look like? You saw Hitler? He's like, yeah, I saw Hitler. What was he like? And the minister replied, he looked like Christ, of course. Hmm. Christ is the light of all mankind. He came to be generous with all that he is, with glory, so that you, if you take it in, 
could begin to see the world with the same generosity. So that when you look at the people around you and you look into their eyes, you also see Christ. What you did for them, you did for me. And what you did for me, yep, you even did it for them. Christmas, guys, means light. And I pray that you will expose yourself once again, or maybe for the first time, to Christ this Christmas, and that you find yourself being recreated, and you find yourself seen with his eyes, and your whole body being full of light. Go ahead and stand. I want to pray for you. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.